Hi, this is Stuart Weems and welcome to the Investopoly podcast. My goal is to give you simple, easy to understand strategies, insights and tips to help you master the game of building wealth. And in this episode, I'd like to talk about what you need to do, what you can consider doing to prepare for banning of negative gearing. You see, on the 29th of March uh, 2019, uh, that is last Friday as I'm recording this podcast, uh, the Labor Party announced that they will ban negative gearing from 1 January 2020. Uh, so assuming that they win the election in May, uh, that that law will be passed or they hope that law will be passed and will be effective uh, from the start of 2020, which means if you buy any established property after 1 January 2020, you won't be entitled to the ne- any negative gearing as a result of borrowing to fund that purchase. Uh, but you will still uh, get negative gearing if you buy new build property. And as I've written about ad nauseum uh, over the last uh, 17 years, new build property almost always never makes a good investment. So it's okay for a home, um, but not necessarily for almost rarely for investment. Um, that's not to say that it won't be promoted as such, and I can just imagine... Uh, if the ALP does win the election and they do get the negative gearing ban across the board, um, there'll be a, a multitude of developers and property spruikers uh, trying to market uh, new build property to investors. And unfortunately, uh, the only people who are going to make money out of that are the developers and the spruikers rather than the end investors themselves. Anyway, if negative gearing is going to be banned next year, what do you need to do? What do you need to do as an existing investor and what, do you, what should prospective investors think about? Well, firstly, I think we're still a little way from negative gearing being banned. Firstly, the ALP has to win the election next month and certainly all the polling, virtually every single poll predicts an, a, an ALP victory without a doubt. But, you know, who, who would have thought President Trump would have uh, won the election a number of years ago. You know, um, I guess we've been taught in politics and in polls and in election and with public voting is that it is inherently unpredictable and that polling doesn't always give us a strong indication of who's going to win or who's going to lose. So it's not a fait complete. They've still got to win. Uh, secondly, it's going to depend on how strong their majority is. So if they have a very strong victory, okay, then I, I think there's a great chance that they'll get their negative gearing ban across the line. If they win by a thin majority, uh, then they're going to have to negotiate with um, the smaller parties and maybe what that will mean is they'll end up having to water down their policies, which means that maybe it will be a limitation of negative gearing rather than an outright ban. So that's one thing to consider. Uh, and lastly, we haven't seen the legislation yet. Um, all they've really said is that they'll ban negative gearing a result from investing in established property and shares after 1 January 2020. But we haven't seen the legislation back in 1985 when the Hawke Labor government banned negative gearing. Um, what people did is they bought properties in unit trusts and they borrowed to buy the units in the trust. And then the unit trust used those monies to then go and buy property. So really the negative gearing was in relation to investing in, in units in an unlisted unit trust. 
uh, rather than in property and there was a bit of a work around there so that they still enjoyed the negative hearing. Now, whether um, the ALP is going to uh, leave that open, uh, they certainly did in, in 85, the Labor government did, um, so maybe they'll do that again, who knows. So I guess, you know, we, let's be, um, let's not jump at shadows here. I think a few things still have to happen uh, for negative gearing to, to go away. Okay, so what uh, can existing investors do as a result? Well, there's lots, been lots of reports and commentary around, uh, particularly from the coalition uh, about, you know, the, the predictions that, you know, it's going to put downward pressure on property prices and property values. Although Treasury um, has warned the government about making those sorts of predictions, saying its modelling uh, doesn't really have uh, or doesn't really predict a, 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 any significant reduction in property values. Um, but that, that's a possible outcome, right? So if you're an existing investor, it's a bit of a double whammy. If you're um, having to put your hand in your pocket every month to, to meet the holding costs of a particular property, so you're kind of losing cash flow, and also at the same time the value of that property is going down, it is a bit of a double whammy. Now, if you're a long-term investor, it's no big deal what happens you know, from year to year. It's really over the long term that really matters. Um, but some of the things that we need to start thinking about um, uh, really go to sort of limiting its cash flow and maximising your opportunities. So I think the first thing to do is to think about reducing your expenses and your biggest expense is probably interest. And so I wrote a blog and did a podcast a few weeks ago about three-year fixed rates, particularly if you're on interest-only repayments. Quite often a three-year fixed rate, even on interest-only or even on principal interest, is substantially less uh, than your variable interest rate uh, today. So that might be a good way to not only give yourself some interest rate protection, not that I guess anyone's really that concerned about rates rising over the next three years. Uh, most of the predictions are the rates are going to come down. Uh, but at least then it will minimise your, your holding costs as well. Uh, the second thing is if you need to make any changes to your mortgages or if you've got equity in property that you don't have access to, uh, maybe consider doing that in 2019 as opposed to waiting to 2020 because if there is a bit of downward pressure on prices, without a doubt, uh, bank valuations are going to be impacted and therefore your borrow borrowable equity is going to um, be impacted as well negatively. So, you know, if you haven't locked in your equity for a while, uh, consider doing that, going back to the bank, increasing credit limits to 80%. And it really then locks in plenty of buffers in case any changes in financial circumstances and also gives you access to that equity for future investment purposes uh, should, you, should you need to, to use it. The third thing is you can do is uh, divest of any underperforming properties. So I think there'll be um, certain property types and locations that, that will be potentially impacted more so by the changes in negative gearing. Um, so uh, locations or developments that are dominated by investors as opposed to owner-occupiers uh, will be uh, uh, impacted to a greater extent by the negative gearing banning. So, they, for example, high-rise towers that have been sold off the plan to um, overseas buyers or, or um, resident investors – if you hold a property such as that and it hasn't been performing very well, well, it might be better to sell that in a divest of that asset in 2019 as opposed to waiting post-negative gearing. 
Um, and uh, properties that have been sold uh, based on the tax benefits, they're quite often properties sold because of negative earring and depreciation, for example, uh, and then be marketed as, you know, to save you tax rather than the actual fundamentals of the asset being there. Uh, I think they'll be uh, significantly impacted as well. And it's quite possible that if the ALP wins in May and it looks like they'll get the negative gearing changes across the board, it's quite possible that property will have a bit of a bounce that you know that the most a lot of people will start think i'll th- start to think oh, i need to get into the market before i lose the opportunity to get negative gearing so if you've got an underperforming property and it and it starts to become quite a hot market um, it might be actually be perfect timing to divest of that asset uh, one of the main predictions uh, of the impact of negative gearing, uh, certainly longer term, as uh, apart from uh, a shorter term impact on prices and values, uh, is that rents will rise and that uh, investors will seek to pass on the higher holding costs of property um, because of no negative gearing onto tenants. And certainly that was what um, uh, the Treasurer... Paul Keating said in 1987 when he they reintroduced negative gearing, uh, said that uh, cited you know, pressure on rents and so forth of why they brought it back in. So they banned it between 85 and, and 87. Um, and uh, there's a few uh, research reports out also predicting that acquisition rental yields will rise by about sort of 1%. Uh, so what can you do in regards to that? Well, if that's going to happen in the marketplace and you're an existing investor, I would suggest you'd want to participate in any uplift there. So firstly, uh, make sure that you don't lock yourself into any really long or extended lease terms. Uh, that's going to then retard your ability to pass on rent increases. Uh, so maintain flexibility in respect to that. And uh, secondly, make make sure you're doing or taking steps to really maximise the rentability of your property and the marketability of the asset. And and really sometimes small uh, improvements or maintenance you can do to a property will have a material impact uh, on its rental income. Uh, so uh, things like putting an air conditioning unit, um, giving the, the bathroom or kitchen a, a small facelift and so forth can, can have a big impact on rental income. You can depreciate that expense uh, and you can borrow to fund it as well. Um, so, so something to, to consider. Uh, and lastly, uh, possibly if your uh, property is, is located in an adequate position or an appropriate position, I should say, an appropriate type of asset, consider um, short-term let like Airbnb stays, corporate let, these sorts of things. Uh, sure, you'll have to furnish the, the property, um, but sometimes people can double the amount or, or more the amount of income that a property produces and you can really then uh, take a, a negative cash flow asset and actually turn it into a positive cash flow asset in which case you then don't really care about the negative gearing because it's not there anymore anyway. So sometimes short-term let can be a good uh, solution there. A couple things to watch out for uh, is insurance. Uh, not all, uh, in fact very few um, uh, building and contents insurance policies cover short-term lets. So you need to make sure uh, you've got the right insurance uh, product and we've got a broker we can refer you to. Um, uh, make sure that the body corporate manager, if it's an apartment, is uh, going to let you to uh, put it on Airbnb or, or whatever whatever um, a business you'd like to facilitate it through. And you also have to prepare for the probably likelihood that, that income could be lumpy, you know, that you'll get a large amount of income for a number of weeks and then maybe it's vacant for a couple of weeks. So you need to um, obviously think and plan for that. 
Lastly, uh, for existing investors is possibly, um, depending on, you know, um, the, the hysteria in the market and the overreaction and so forth, uh, possibly the banning of negative gearing might create opportunities, uh, particularly for seasoned investors. You know, if there is uh, pressure on prices and, um, and you know, gets it all a bit overcooked, uh, then potentially you're going to be able to buy a property below intrinsic value. So if you're downgrading, upgrading, particularly as a home purchaser, uh, it could cre- create opportunities to get into the market and get a property below intrinsic value if these negative gearing changes do actually have uh, an impact on prices. I don't think they're going to have, for investment-grade locations, any impact on prices in the long run or appreciation. I, th- I think they're still in, in good quality areas benefit from very diversified level of demand in terms of purchases, not just investors. Investors are only one element of that. So taking them out, even if we just assume, assume no one's going to invest in property anymore because of negative gearing, um, good quality investment grade locations have such diversified demand that just taking one segment out is not going to have a material impact on future growth. So I think any impact on prices will be very temporary and we don't need to worry about it so much so it could create opportunities. Okay, so if you, um, what about uh, new investors or prospective uh, new investors? So that is if you're thinking about should you invest in property before 1 uh, January 2020 uh, before negative gearing is banned? And some people, you know, be driven by a bit of FOMO, fear of missing out. You know, maybe I should jump into the market, get that negative gearing because maybe it will never be there again. Even if Liberal government wins uh, the election, who knows, maybe it's uh, tem- too tempting for them not to reverse it and bring back negative gearing, although it could be a, a good way of getting re-elected, uh, perhaps. Uh, anyway, so I would think, uh, it typically, firstly, it's going to depend on your individual circumstances, goals, risk profile, amount of borrowings, cash flow. There's lots of considerations about whether you should or shouldn't uh, jump into the property market before uh, 1 January next year. Uh, but as a general rule, and again, this is very general, um, I'm summarising here and uh, making a sort of generalist comment, uh, that if your plan was to acquire an investment property in the next five years, then yes, you probably should consider getting into the market before 1 January and locking in that negative gearing. If you had no such plans... Uh, to invest in another property and you only started thinking about it as a result of this tax change, um, then it feels more reactionary rather than strategic and it probably doesn't make sense uh, just as a result of, of that. Remember, negative gearing diminishes over time. You know, typically a property will produce a material negative cash flow in the first five to 10 years of ownership. But after 10 years, typically the negative cash flow and therefore the gearing benefits mostly have evaporated. And if they're still there, they're immaterial. So if you're going to hold a property for many decades, the negative gearing is only going to be really relevant for the first decade. So we we need to take a long-term view and base our decisions on long-term outcomes. Um, Making investment decisions purely around or in the pursuit of tax benefits is a recipe for disaster. It's a mistake and you shouldn't do it. Now, if you decided if you decide that investing in property before negative gearing is banned um, is the best thing for you to do, uh, my other caution and counsel is don't cut any corners. Don't think you need to go and buy a property at any cost. That is that you're willing to make a compromise on the quality of that asset 
just to get in before 1 January. Um, be deliberate about it and be very picky and make sure you buy the best quality property that you can buy. If you can't find a quality property at a reasonable price, don't worry about it. Let go. Don't, don't be so in love with the fact of getting negative gearing. What you should be in love with is really maximizing your after-tax returns. And you can do that only by investing in quality property. So these, in summary, these potential negative gearing changes certainly create a lot of noise and the media love to write about it and the politicians love to go on about it. But in reality, in the long run, I don't think they're going to be very meaningful uh, changes. Uh, it's really just noise. So don't get distracted by it and don't feel like if you don't jump into the market, you're going to miss out. Um, focus on the fundamentals, invest in quality assets and have a plan and stick to it. And I reckon if we're having a conversation 10 years from now, I think we'll look back and, and uh, have a bit of a laugh about how you know, all the, the negative gear, gearing hyperbole you know, was, was so overdone at, at the time and it really didn't have uh, such a massive impact. But if you're going to, as I said, if, you, if, you, um, if your original plan was to invest in property over the next five years, then certainly it starts to make sense if you assume that the ALP is going to win uh, next month, or at least if you wait until that's uh, a fact, um, then getting into the market before negative hearing might be the best thing for you to do. Okay, that's it for this week. Uh, as always, uh, notes are in the uh, and links and so forth are in the show notes. Until next week, bye for now.